At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, Executive Director of the Commonwealth Policy Center. Kentucky voters will go to the polls this November to consider an amendment to their constitution that would prevent judges from inventing a right to abortion in the Commonwealth. The Yes for Life Amendment is one simple sentence that says this, to protect human life, nothing in this constitution shall be construed to secure or protect a right to abortion or require the funding of abortion. But should pastors speak to this issue? And should churches take a stand? Joining me on the program today is Pastor Brant Lyon, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Georgetown, Kentucky. Brant, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Richard. Nice to be with you. Brant, just a few days ago, there was a prominent voice in the media who says that churches shouldn't be involved. In fact, said that it's heretical for evangelical Christians to just focus on one issue, and that was Joe Scarborough who uh, has a popular program on MSNBC. He claimed that pro-life Christians are perverting the gospel and said that Jesus is not anti-abortion. Here's his quote. I'm going to read this verbatim. As a Southern Baptist, I grew up reading the Bible, maybe a backslidden Baptist, but I still know the Bible. Jesus never once talked about abortion, never once, and it was happening back in ancient times. It was happening during his time, He never once mentioned it. He went on to say, he took aim at pro-life Christians, and Scarborough went on to say that Christians are, uh, he accused them of heresy, and and for people perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ down to one issue is heresy. So he's saying that because Christians care about this issue of the right to life and have made it a really important focus, that it's heresy that they would that they would just focus on this. So, Brand, here's the question. I I know I spent a lot of time on that statement from Scarborough, but it's probably one of the hottest uh, statements in the public realm uh, regarding the issue of life. Did did Jesus speak to abortion? We'll start with that one. Well, the whole statement is kind of amusing from the very beginning, and I always like it when when people who profess to be backslidden and basically saying, I'm not living the Christian life right now, but let me tell you, Pastor, mm-hmm. uh, what the Bible really says, that's always amusing to me, uh, about as much as me telling my surgeon, hey, let me let me show you how to perform this surgery. So uh, that's amusing to me. But, you know, I think there's a, a lot of problems with what he's saying. And you asked the question, did he speak to uh, the issue of abortion? So let me say this, I don't, I don't know. Uh, because what we have recorded in in the Gospels, while it may not be that Jesus ever said specifically yes or no to uh, this issue of abortion, we don't we don't know what was said uh, when when the uh, gospel writers weren't uh, weren't sitting down writing their notes. So we have I have no actual clue there. But can I say this? I, I find that what Jesus does is not only support what's in scripture, but then takes it to the heart. I mean, 
And then that's what we see through the whole Sermon on the Mount is Jesus taking scripture. You have heard it said, but I say, and then taking it to the issue of the heart and almost strengthening every everything scripture says. And we certainly do know this. Jesus uh, believed the scriptures. He taught the scriptures. And there was never a place in scripture where uh, where Jesus basically said, uh, we don't have to follow this one. We don't have to, we don't have to do this. Uh, there are some things that that definitely he brought to light in different ways. But when you look at this particular uh, particular topic, what we do find in scripture over and over and over again that Jesus would have supported was that all people are made in the image of God, that we are created uh, by him for his purposes. Uh, certainly in Psalm 139 is always my go-to, where we see that we're uh, we are knit together in our mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made, to which I, I can't imagine Jesus going, yeah, I'm not big on that one. I, I don't like that one. I think uh, in that case, abortion's okay. So what he's saying is is inherently wrong uh, and, boy, unwise, to say the least. So we do know that Scripture uh, acknowledges life in the womb. You mentioned Absolutely. Psalm 139, I believe, in Jeremiah uh, 29, uh, or somewhere in Jeremiah, where, where the prophet is acknowledged in the womb. Uh, but you made the point that life is made in the image of God. God is the author of human life. And it's been part of the Christian tradition to acknowledge vulnerable human life. Uh, in the Old Testament brand, there are uh, provisions for, uh, in the book of Exodus, if two men are fighting and a pregnant woman is injured, somehow they get out of control and there's an uh, innocent bystander there. And if that child is harmed, there is there are consequences. The one who's responsible would have to pay to restore that life or to, to compensate for the life if the life is lost. So we see uh, an acknowledgement of life in the womb. We see, even before that, how precious all human life is. And as I began to say, the church uh, has always uh, helped innocent human life. I think of the early church in Rome would help the innocents who were left on street corners to die of exposure. Uh, uh, infanticide was widely practiced, and the church realized that this is not God's plan. These are precious human beings, and they took these little children into their homes, and they raised them as their own. Um, so we see this uh, part of part of uh, the church's history. Uh, not just that, but the you know or, the idea of orphanages, right, where the church has cared for those. Uh, children who've had no homes. Uh, the church has, has uh, spoken on behalf of, of life all throughout its history. And here we have a chance to speak on behalf of life here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, don't we? Where we have an amendment that simply says that uh, abortion is not a protected right under the Constitution, nor shall tax dollars be used for abortion. And Brant, just to clarify on that point, the reason why this is necessary is because we got Roe v. Wade from unelected federal judges. There were seven judges on the U.S. Supreme Court who found this right to abortion in the U.S. Constitution. Abortion is never mentioned in the U.S. Constitution. Uh, the, the right to privacy, in fact, is not mentioned in the in the Constitution. And they invented uh, they invented these uh, these rights. 
the closest to that, by the way, in the Constitution is unwarranted searches and seizures. It is provides a, 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 a rule for the government that before they come into your home, they have to have a warrant. They have to have grounds to do so. But you right. see where judges can expand and make, kind of make up things. And that's how we got abortion on demand in this country. It was it was the yeah. Supreme Court in 1973. And what this amendment would do is it prevents a state-level Roe v. Wade ruling. Um, so it's practical. Um, it is needed. It's relevant since the Supreme Court did overturn Roe v. Wade with the Dobbs ruling. But Brent, I want to go to the question of should pastors speak to this, regardless of what Joe Scarborough says? Should pastors speak to this issue? Yeah, you know me. I, I'm always really, really careful about about making sure the gospel comes before politics. But I mean, you know, this is one of those areas where politics has entered into the realm of morality, uh, and and I think that is where we have to speak. Uh, we have to speak on these issues. You know. Here's one of the things I see as a pastor theologically on this issue is that um, we have inherent worth and value that comes only as being created by God. Mm-hmm. And so anytime you you take out that inherent value in any one segment of society, you're in essence saying we don't have an inherent value to begin with. And of course, that's where you're getting into issues now, not just of abortion, but euthanasia and uh, other issues like that. And at some point, we have to be the ones that come out and say, no, by being created in the image of God, we have an inherent value that ought to come up in every uh, frame of life. At at every corner of life, we have value because we are created by God. And so, yeah, I think it is certainly something that ought to come from the church Mm -hmm. uh, and, and ought to be, and honestly, ought to be theologically based centered in that idea of being created by God. You know, Brandon, I think one of the reasons why pastors are afraid to speak to this issue is they see people in their congregation from different backgrounds and different political persuasions, and they don't want to divide. Um, How would you address that pastor that says, look, I'm just going to preach the gospel. I'm just going to teach through scripture, but I'm not going to talk about the yes for life amendment. Um, how would you, I guess there, there's a couple things in here. I, I, I am sensitive to the concerns that pastors may have over dividing, but here's where I'll go with that. But doesn't the word say that it divides? I mean, the word divides, right? Yeah, uh, all right. So let me say this about that. I, I think the word does divide. We always have to be careful that it is the word that is dividing and not necessarily our politics. I want to be careful. Like, for instance, I, as a pastor, I'm not going to have necessarily some individuals' uh, uh, election signs in my yard because I don't want to divide over that. I mean, that, who people vote for is up to them. But when it comes to these issues that I feel like oftentimes politics are dividing us over, I think there are places where I have to stand up and speak to those issues. Uh, ultimately, again, I, I don't know that I, from the pulpit, ought to be the one necessarily giving out the names, hey, vote for this person, this person, this person. But if I deal with the subjects and the issues, it's not a far leap for my people to be able to go and check out, okay, who, who's leaning this way? Who's going to vote for this? And, and they make up their own decisions on who those people are. I think, again, I think where we have to uh, stay true to the scriptures is that we're preaching what scripture says, 
even when it might inform people politically. And we have to be willing to step up to the, to the plate on those. Yeah. So is the Bible pro-life, Brant? I'm just going to lay it right out there for you. <laughs> is the Bible, is the yeah, Bible I don't pro-life? think there's any other way to see that. I think in the Old Testament law, you see that God takes life very seriously. I mean, even, you know, the paradox, I think, for us oftentimes is when when we're asked the question, well, uh, what about uh, what about capital punishment? Uh, and, you know, I've always thought, well, that's an interesting. How do I feel about that when the state takes a life? When the truth of the matter, even, and of course, that comes from the Old Testament law. There were times when it prescribed even taking the life. But it was always in the context of, the taking of another person's life. In other words, the Bible holds life to be so sacred that if you, who have no right to take another person's life, choose to do it anyway, your life will be required of you. It was a way of heightening the importance of the sanctity of life. And so everywhere you look in scripture, God creates, he has a purpose and a plan for each individual life. And because of that, it's not ours to take away, even at that earliest of moment. That child was still, as we see in scripture, uh, planned, uh, foreknown. Uh, God knew their infinite past or their infinite future. And so, yes, every life is sacred. And is the Bible pro-life? I really have a hard time seeing it any other way. And I know for me, it's an issue. I want to be really careful here. I, it's an issue to me that is strong enough that it very much informs just about every vote. I, I think it is that important. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is foundational to Christianity. In Genesis chapter 1, we read yeah. in 126 through 28 that man is made in the image of God. Uh, he created them male and female. Um, he created them. And uh, so we realize how valuable life is. Why? Uh, because God creates us in his image. And we, uh, we ought to respect other human life as being image bearers. And life is in- intrinsically valuable, is extrin- filled with dignity and filled with worth. And to the point about capital punishment, uh, there's a difference between uh, a condemned life, one who's taken another person's life, and the innocent life in the womb, an innocent life that is not responsible for, for doing harm to another person. I, I would say that the Bible teaches that, and it's in Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. The reason why that's there is because there are serious consequences. It, it, it tells us how serious it is to take another life. If you take another life wrongly, uh, then your life will be required of you, Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. and so you have two different categories. You have uh, a condemned life, a, a life with blood on his hands. Um, I think of Cain, the story of Cain and Abel. You know, Cain killed his brother in cold blood, and uh, Cain was fearful. Cain, Cain thought, you know, uh, somebody's going to get me, and um, God did not impose the death penalty on him for whatever reason. I mean, he's God can choose what he wants, but eventually we do see the the um, in stating of the death penalty, if you will, in Genesis 9-6. And it has been carried out. Western civilization and other societies, too, have carried out the death penalty. In this country, it is only for the capital offenses. Murder is one of them. It's probably the most common uh, offense for uh, being executed. So I, I think it's worth talking about that a bit. By the way, one other point, though, biblically, 
there were other grounds for the death penalty in the Old Testament. And that's True. because of, in the, it's worth mentioning this, because this is a topic where there is confusion. And, uh, but, but for Israel, there was the death penalty for violating certain of God's statutes, it, for blasphemy, um, for violating the Sabbath. There were, uh, there, there were death penalty requirements. Now, that was only for Israel. They were a theocracy. God was their head. He was the king. And any violation of his law, of, of the moral law, could result in very severe penalties. So, Brant, uh, I want to talk about your peers. I was just in Georgetown the other day and uh, had a great meeting with some pastors there. Of course, here you've been in the area for a while now. You're planting a church, Emmanuel Baptist Church in Georgetown, and um, get, kind of getting to know the area. Where are your peers when it comes to other pastors in this issue of the right to life, what's your sense of where pastors are with speaking to this issue and even encouraging, the second thing I guess to look at, even encouraging their people to to vote for this Yes for Life amendment on Kentucky's ballot? Yeah, you know, it's funny, birds of a feather flock together is the old saying, right? So most of my, <laughs> most of the people I usually hang with, you typically tend to agree with me. I know that that is not necessarily the case all over our our area, especially in central Kentucky. And as you know, I come from West Kentucky and yep. there's, there's quite a difference between the two areas. And so certainly there are more that feel like we ought to just avoid these topics in this, this part of the state. Uh, but I would say there's still a lot of us out here who believe that that's important. But, but can I say this? I want to expand outwards a little bit because I always want to catch both ends of this. We get in these conversations sometimes and we talk about what we believe about the legislation, what we believe about the sanctity of human life. I always want to acknowledge too, though, that, that, you know, the other side is, is not just, we have to be careful about the rhetoric. It's not as though the other side just wants all, all, all babies killed. They, they care for somebody, they care for the mother. And I think we also, especially when we think about the sanctity of human life, we ought to have that same concern for both sides. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of us as pastors are coming and saying, okay, let's make sure we are caring for uh, not just the unborn, but the mother as well. I mean, I, again, you, you've you known me long enough to know that wherever I go, one of the first ministries I want to get involved with is the Crisis Pregnancy Center. Uh, the very idea that they're beginning to get a bad name amongst uh, more progressive people in our country is just almost laughable to me because I can't think of a better ministry and a better way of caring for the needs of people in a very difficult time. Um, uh, it seems like to me, uh, the more progressive agenda, agenda just says, just have the abortion and go on with your life when it's not quite that simple. Yeah. So I think we've got to figure out both ends of it. Number one, how do we advocate for life? And yes, we ought to speak on it. Secondly, how do we love the mother and help them through the difficulties of an unwanted pregnancy? How do we care for their needs and make sure that after the fact that we come alongside them and help them through the process? Uh, and, and I see more and more pastors who are wanting to open themselves up to caring for the needs of others in that way. And that becomes an important part of the pastorate as well. Now, that's, Brant, that's a really good point, and I'm glad that you brought that up, about caring for the mother and ministering to her needs, and then about how important it is to support pregnancy care centers in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. It's around 50 pregnancy care centers. These are local ministries, largely um, comprised of women from local churches that are there to help other women in crisis pregnancies, and they provide free pregnancy tests. 
They provide counseling. Uh, then they have essentials for women that do choose life for their babies, uh, diapers and formula and baby wipes and that kind of thing. But this is hands-on walking along with the, the, the mother in a crisis, time of crisis. Um, it's compassion, isn't it? This is this is the church putting meat on the bones of Christian doctrine, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think one of the things that the progressives miss is you could say it's over after the after the abortion, but the truth is there's a lot of, of great mental spiritual difficulty that comes along afterwards. And I see these pregnancy crisis centers is really trying to meet those needs or even head them off before that happens to begin with. And so, and I've been involved with three of them specifically in, in Hopkinsville, it was Alpha Alternative, uh, in, in Paducah, it was Hope Unlimited, and now it's Not Alone Crisis Pregnancy Center over in Georgetown. And all three of them are headed up by compassionate, loving people. They're not trying to trick people out of abortion. And quite honestly, in each of those situations, they just spoke honestly and openly. Uh, and, and, and they always tried to advocate for life, while at the same time understanding that each person had their own free will decision to make. But they were there. Even if the people opted uh, for the abortion, those mm-hmm. crisis pregnancy centers didn't set them off or tell them you can't come back. They still loved them and walked. It, it really was a, a compassionate ministry in those settings. So you can tell my heart for those ministries. I love them. That's that's great. And I appreciate your involvement with them. Uh, so it, it is shocking when some of these pregnancy care centers have been attacked. There's a a group called Jane's Revenge that's gone across the country and they've attacked pregnancy care centers. It is shocking when you have senators like Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts yeah. trying to restrict these things, calling them misleading. I think she had some other strong words for pregnancy care centers. What a contrast, though, when you get to see these ministries and get to meet the women who are involved with them, their care, their compassion, their love, contrasted with somebody like a Senator Warren who comes across pretty angry and nasty towards these ministries. And uh, I, I think that, um, you know, when you put both side by side, it's clear as to which one is the more compassionate, which one is the more caring. Uh, the truth is, is that by having an abortion, Brant, we know that that does not solve a problem. It often compounds problems and that women that do have abortions uh, have years of guilt and psychological issues that they deal with. And I know uh, a number of these women personally I've gotten to know, and they have testimonies of um, of what they went through, but also of God's grace, too, and how he has healed them. Brent, I'm, we're going to take a quick break right now. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Brent Lyon, and we're talking about the Yes for Life Amendment, which will be on Kentucky's ballot on Tuesday, November the 8th. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, this is Richard Nelson, and I'm asking you to vote yes on the Yes for Life Amendment 2. You can stop tax-funded abortion and prevent judges from inventing a right to abortion. The Yes for Life Amendment is simple. It says to protect human life, nothing in the Constitution secures a right to abortion or requires the funding of abortion. It makes sense. It's pro-life and pro-Kentucky values. So please vote Yes for Life on Amendment 2 on November the 8th. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Brant Lyon, and we are talking about the Yes for Life Amendment. This is the amendment 
number two that will be on the Kentucky ballot this Tuesday, November the 8th, coming up in just a few weeks. And that amendment says this, to protect human life, nothing in this Constitution shall be construed to secure or protect a right to abortion or require the funding of abortion. It's simple, uh, a simple one-sentence line that stops a state-level judge from imposing abortion on the rest of us by inventing a right to abortion, if you will. And also it would stop taxpayer funding of abortion. Uh, we believe that's good policy. We believe that uh, it's good policy to not have judges impose laws on us. But it's also good policies that tax dollars should not be used for abortion. So, Brant, is that an issue of theological concern when the state, which you have members of Emmanuel Baptist in uh, Georgetown, that are taxpayers? Uh, in fact, there are taxpayers in every single one of the congregations. Is that a theological issue that they should be that pastors should be concerned about if tax dollars are used to promote immorality? In this case, the taking of innocent human life. Absolutely, and I I, I think that is. Uh is is massively important for those of us who are Christians, who are believers, who are opposed to those things. Uh, I don't ever think that we ought to be forced uh, to pay for things that are such uh, an offense to our consciences. So yeah, I think it's an important issue. Yeah. I think of a couple of pro-life passages that speak of engaging the issue and largely, as we began earlier in the program, we talked about the church engaging the issue of human life, defending and protecting human life. But Proverbs twenty four eleven is maybe one of the most compelling passages that speaks of this. It says this, rescue those being led away to death and hold back those staggering toward slaughter. Um, Psalm uh, 82, 3 says to defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless maintain the rights of the poor and the oppressed, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And I can't but help to think of somebody who is weak and needy or poor and oppressed than the unborn child. And one of the most wicked acts is that you'd have another human being that would go into the womb and deliberately end the life of an innocent child. Is this an issue that do you plan to speak on the S for Life Amendment? So, yeah, I would plan to say something along those lines, at least insofar as is making sure our people understand the moral issues that are at play. Again, they go to the ballot box understanding who they are as Christians. You know, I think that's part of what we're supposed to do as pastors and as churches. We ought to be developing our people in such a way that they have a biblical worldview. Again, I, I don't know that I'm going to stand before my uh, congregation and, and say, vote this way. But I'm certainly going to help my people understand the issues that are at play so that they think with a biblical worldview when they vote. And honestly, Richard, for a person thinking biblically, that's not a hard choice on that issue. I couldn't agree more with you. I think it is cut and dry. Uh, As Christians and as followers of Jesus, we should be sensitive to those who are um, struggling. And I think of that young woman in a crisis pregnancy, and we should be extremely uh, concerned about the most vulnerable in our society. Um, what we're seeing today is the, uh, the left, the political left, is making this, uh, I think they're, they're, they're twisting things and saying, well, Christians just care about the unborn. Well, that's not true. And that's not proven by our actions. 